Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Bible party. It's good to see you. We have been waiting quite a while to gather this morning. Wednesday mornings, uh, session one can be a little bit hectic with kid drop-off. So we thank you for your patience, and we know that sometimes, um, especially if you're dropping off kids for the first time, if this is your first time joining us um, and doing the kids program, that it can seem like a lot and pretty hectic, especially if you've walked down the infant hallway at all this morning. Um, but I do want to say that it gets better as we go. The kids get used to it for the most part, and um, all things get ironed out as we go this summer. So thank you, moms, specifically for your patience this morning. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Natalie Herr. I'm the team lead of Dayton Women in the Word. This is our fifth annual summer study, and we are so glad that you are here. Can I get a show of hands to see who is studying with us for the first time this summer? Whoa! Well, welcome! Welcome! That is awesome. That's a lot of new faces. And I'm sure a lot of new smaller faces that go along <laughs> with those faces, too. I want to introduce your teacher this morning, Heidi. This is Heidi Alenzo. If you listened to uh, the podcast series um, where we talked with Heidi and Caitlin, um, you'll know a little bit more about her, and she'll share just briefly um, more about herself this morning. But Heidi um, has been with the network for a little while. Last summer, she um, kind of, what would we call it, apprenticed? Yes. <laughs> Heidi uh, apprenticed with Jill and I last year as we taught through Hosea, and then um, the Lord just... Uh, led her to teach, yeah. volunteer to teach this year. So we're super excited to have Heidi on the team this summer and teaching you guys this morning. So you are in for a treat with Heidi as your teacher. Before we get started, I would really love to pray for Heidi and for all of you as we get going. She's going to tell you a little bit more about um, what to expect from us in the study um, and what we expect from you and all of those kinds of things. There's going to be a lot of information coming at you this morning. So if you feel a little overwhelmed by that info. That is normal for week one. Um, not all of the lectures are going to be so information heavy like this, um, so please come back next week. <laughs> I'm going to pray for us now. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, what a joy and a privilege to gather together this morning freely to talk about you, to learn about you, to be in your presence. God, um, it's something that we don't take for granted. Lord, we don't take for granted the fact that we're in a building with a roof this morning, God. Um, so thank you for providing, for keeping this building safe um, over the last couple weeks so that we could gather here um, in your name. We pray this morning uh, for Heidi as she brings your word, as she tells us um, some context about the book of Mark that will give us a firm foundation as we're moving forward in our studies. God, help us um, open our eyes and ears to what you want us to um, remember from this morning. Um, stir our hearts toward uh, being in your word and studying together. Unite us together as women over this topic, over this book, God. Um, 
We are so excited to be studying a gospel, to be looking at you, Jesus, and who you are, and um, your story of life here on earth. Um, and it tells us so much about how we should live and what you have done. And, and God, we are, we're thrilled to open up the book of Mark together this morning. Um, God, I, I pray over the studies of each of these women um, that you would enlighten them uh, as they read your word, that you would bond them together um, in sisterhood, that they would be equipped for personal study for years to come. And Jesus, as Heidi brings um, her lecture this morning, God, would you have her say only what you want her to say and, and not say anything that you don't want her to say, that her voice would be your voice, God, um, and that we would all leave here knowing more about you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Natalie. All right. Let's get yeah. it started. Good morning. So, yeah, it all started with the Teaching Collective. When they, what for Teaching Collective? <laughs> I said yes to a 10-minute talk, and look, here we are. So, as Natalie mentioned, I was on a podcast, so I gave more of my background. So, um, I won't go into all of that here, just for the sake of time. But there's a couple fun facts about me. I have been in Dayton most of my life. And I love when I get to meet people who just move here and they're like, there's nothing to do. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Let me show you the hidden gems of Dayton. So um, I am a huge fan of our city. I also love to box. That's my favorite way of working out. So um, title boxing gym is my favorite place. And I like to practice yoga a little bit. And uh, I like to go for walks. I see a lot of faces in here of my neighbors. So I like to see them as I walk and, and say hello. Um, I am a wife of eight years, and I have two kids. I have a two-and-a-half-year-old who I'm excited is in our program this morning, and I have a 13-week-old baby at home. Um, she is our, our newest little addition to our family. So um, we'll go ahead and talk about the ways to get a hold of everybody here at the Dayton Women in the Word team. I have my email up there if you want to get a hold of me. It's um, your first point of contact is actually your group leader, but I would love to answer any questions you might have about the teaching. So if you want to get a hold of anyone here on the team, that's how um, you can get a hold of them through their email. If you're not already a follower of their Facebook page or their Instagram page, I highly recommend that. They constantly put out almost every single day encouraging information and stories. So I've tried to delete my Facebook and Instagram apps a couple of times, but I can't because I get bad FOMO about dating women in the word. So, um, so if you're not already following them, I highly recommend it. They also have an awesome podcast. Now this summer, they're going to be using recordings from our summer study, but after the summer study ends, they're still going to be putting out new series, so that's a great way to stay connected with the people uh, as, that are involved here with Dayton Women in the Word. I like to use it as a timer for when I go for walks. I'm not allowed to return home until the episode is done, because they can go you know, 30 to 50 minutes. So um, yeah, if you haven't enjoyed one of their podcast episodes, highly recommend that. As Natalie mentioned, we're going to be talking about some expectations of what you have for us and then also what we have for you as participants of the summer study. And then we'll go over what we're going to be studying for the next eight weeks. And then we'll talk about the meta narrative or the big story of the whole Bible and where Mark fits into that. And then we'll talk about those five context questions that you guys discussed in your small groups and some major themes, and then we'll go over homework for next week. 
So the first thing is expectations for you of us. This will be very helpful for you if you've never studied with us before. And there were so many hands raised, so I think this will be a good thing that we're going over with you. Um, We are going to come alongside you. We know studying God's word can be difficult at times, overwhelming, and often confusing. But you're not alone. We are here wanting to help you in any way that we possibly can. And we're going to challenge you. Eight weeks actually isn't very long to cover the book of Mark. We're going to be cramming it in. Uh, But we want to also teach you the tools to be able to study any book of the Bible, not just Mark the Summer. We will be learning with you. We're not expertly trained theologians. I haven't been to seminary, and many of the women here on the leadership team have not either. But we are women who love God's word, and we long to see it transform our lives and your lives. We're going to become come to you as prepared teachers. We are doing our homework and we're devoting as much time as we can to put into this awesome Bible study. And we too will be using these study tools as we go through Mark to understand who Jesus is. And we will direct you to the Lord and both of our teaching and our counsel. We want to point you to Jesus, the ultimate teacher and healer. We are very blessed this summer that we get to actually study Jesus himself in the words that he said in the Gospel of Mark. And this is what we expect from you. Come willing to learn with an open heart, mind, and ready to tune into what God wants to show you in Mark. No matter if this is your first time studying Mark or the hundredth, there's always something that you can get out of it. And come ready to share. Your groups are meant to be a safe place to share what God is teaching you and what your questions are. Be willing to be vulnerable with the women in your group. We have seen sweet friendships grow out of these small groups, so we hope that you'll be able to invest in them as people have in the past. And we'd love to hear from everybody during the discussion groups, not just the extroverts, because we know they have a lot to say, but come with one thing you've learned throughout the week to share with your group. And come having done the homework. I know it's hard during the summertime when the pool's calling you or getaways with your girlfriends or just, you know, sleeping in on a Wednesday morning. But we ask that in order for you to have the best out of the time we have together, we ask that you do the homework that's on your syllabus. Come prepared so that you can make a better group discussion and help you connect better to the lessons. And come with your questions. Questions are welcome. It's okay if you don't understand everything you read or if there's a discussion tool that you just don't really understand how it works. Your small group leaders love your questions and they are willing to answer them for you. And come with your imperfections. No one is perfect in this room. We are expecting no perfection from you. None of us will understand Mark perfectly and we aren't always going to study as much as we hope. So don't disqualify yourself from coming and being a part of this community just because you don't meet your own expectations. Give yourself grace. Don't let your failures and weaknesses keep you from fellowship with others this summer. You are wanted here. Jesus is the only perfect one, so let's turn our eyes toward him together this summer. If you have it with you, go ahead and pull out your syllabus because it's a little small on the screen behind me. To see the big picture of our summer study, you'll want to look at the breakdown here. 
uh, Caitlin and I broke down the 16 chapters of Mark across the eight weeks in a way that kept you from not reading too many verses one week, like 25, and then 150 the next week. So we try to keep it fairly even. Uh, but there will be some weeks where it will feel like we're just flying through Mark because it is a very fast-paced narrative. Jesus accomplished a lot during his ministry, so there might be a miracle or two that we will just have to cover very quickly in order to be able to fit the whole book in this summer. Each week, we will introduce a new study tool for you to practice with your homework reading assignment, and that'll be in that last column on that chart on your page. And I will go into detail at the end of each lecture for whatever that tool is that we're going to be using this next week. And then on your sheet, there are also some additional tools, weekly tools and challenges. And we'll, again, discuss that at the end of the lecture today. But um, if you are up for a challenge, feel free to do those. And especially if you have been with us on a summer study before and you want to just try something new, those are there for you to encourage you. So now we're going to switch gears, and we're actually going to talk about where Mark fits into the big picture of the Bible. So if you have this timeline sheet, then go ahead and pull that out too. Raise your hand if you've heard the word meta-narrative. A lot of you. Oh, good. Good. You're familiar. So it means the big story. It's the big story that runs through the entire Bible. This is the story underlining every book, every chapter, and every single verse. The biblical authors were all trying to tell the same story, the story of God's redeeming love for us, his people through his son, Jesus. And it has four main parts. It starts with the creation, then it goes to the fall, then redemption, and then restoration, which is also, you might have heard, referred to as new creation or consummation. So you can see that in Genesis 1 and 2, creation was covering that portion of scripture. God created man and woman so he could be with them and walk with them. It was short-lived because in Genesis, we see the fall of man and the introduction of sin into the world right in Genesis chapter three. Man defied God and disobeyed him. But God didn't just leave it there. He starts in Genesis three to redeem mankind with promises of a coming savior and the first sacrifice. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden and accepted the consequences of their sin with separation from God. And the fall continues throughout the whole Old Testament, where we see glimpses or promises pointing us to a Messiah coming to redeem us. God's relentless pursuit to reconcile his people back to him brings us to the Gospels where we meet Jesus, his son, a perfect and sinless sacrifice for those who believe in him. The rest of the New Testament reiterates Christ's redemptive work on the cross and encourages us to become sanctified or Christ-like. The final phase of the meta-narrative is restoration, otherwise known as new creation or consummation, where we, we will see perfect order and glory to God on earth and in heaven. When Jesus returns, those who are redeemed by him will experience an unhindered relationship with God for all of eternity. Mark fits into the redemption category of the meta-narrative, but is full of themes of the fall and restoration. We will be taking a close look at the life, ministry, and sacrifice of the Messiah this summer. 
in the past summer studies, as we've studied Old Testament books like Hosea, Joshua, Ezra, and Nehemiah, we've kept a, an eye out for any scriptures that talked about Jesus. But this summer, we get to study the Redeemer himself. So this is very exciting. This is the first time Dayton Women in the Word has studied a New Testament book. So where does Mark fall in the canon or the order of scripture in the Bible? The Bible starts with the Old Testament, which is comprised of narrative, poetry, wisdom, and prophecy literature, showcasing the history of God's people and his promise for a redeemer. Then it transitions to the New Testament, where it opens with the Gospels, which are four books that tell the good news or the story of Jesus's life. Then it moves to the epistles, known as the letters to the new church, and then the apocalyptic literature, where we get a glimpse of the second or a glimpse of the restoration of God to his people. Mark is the second book of the New Testament and the second gospel book. It's the shortest of all the four gospels and is very fast-paced, very, very fast-paced. And it is believed to have been the first gospel written since both Luke and Matthew draw on Mark as their foundation. Mark's contemporary books are the other gospels, Matthew, Luke, and John. You'll find they were all written about the same time and address similar issues and share similar stories. But when you start cross-referencing within Mark, you're going to find yourself spending a lot of time in the other three Gospels. Together, all four Gospels are referred to as the canonical Gospels. But the first three, you will hear the term synoptic Gospels due to the very similar order and content, and they're often identical wording. John has its own unique flair and is written in a style in presenting Jesus' words and deeds, so it's not included within the distinction of the synoptic gospels. The authors of each gospel had a very different overarching message and purpose with their stories of Jesus. All spoke about Jesus, but in Matthew, we see Jesus as the Jewish Messiah or king. In Mark, Jesus is seen as the one who ushers in the kingdom of God and is a servant to all. In Luke, Jesus is the one who welcomes the outsider and is the son of man. And in John, we see Jesus as the eternal son of God. Also unique to each gospel is how they start. Matthew starts with the important family history of Jesus. Mark hits the ground running and whiplashes us into important scene after scene of Jesus' ministry. Where Luke starts with the birth story of Jesus. And John opens with the establishment of Jesus as the word who was with God and is God. As we study Mark this summer, it will be helpful, especially if you're a visual learner like I am, then uh, it'll be helpful to have those maps close by. We have provided several maps for you that covered the different locations that were mentioned within Mark. And we also have in your resources a list of those locations with their verse references. So if you feel like it would help you understand the context of a story more, then feel free to reference those. And the reason why we have more than one map is because not one map holds all the locations mentioned. So when you put them all together, you'll be able to find all those locations. All right, so those context questions you discussed with your small groups. Let's start with who wrote it. Raise your hand if you thought Mark was one of the original 12 disciples. I did. So actually, he wasn't. 
It was written by John Mark. Sometimes in scripture it'll say John, who is known as Mark or whatever, but we're just going to call him Mark going forward. He was neither one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, nor was he an eyewitness of Jesus's life or ministry. And that's important to remember later on this summer. He was a native of Jerusalem and is referred to as Mark the Evangelist in church tradition, history, and literature. We know from Colossians that Mark is the cousin of Barnabas. He is also the son of a prominent woman within the early church in Jerusalem who was known in the book of Acts for being extremely hospitable and opened her home up for believers to gather and pray. Mark joined his cousin Barnabas on the first missionary journey with Paul as an assistant, but he left before the journey was completing, thus becoming a source of contention between his cousin Barnabas and Paul. Paul ended up going with Silas while Barnabas went with Mark to continue missionary work. And Mark later regained Paul's favor and was deemed useful within the ministry. Mark became Peter's attendant, writer, and Greek interpreter to the Romans. Peter, who was one of the 12 disciples, even referred to Mark as his son. That's how much he loved Mark. According to Papias, an early church historian, Mark captured Peter's firsthand accounts of Jesus' ministry and teachings as accurately as he could, omitting nothing he heard Peter recall. With the help of the Holy Spirit, he penned the gospel that we know as Mark. According to church tradition and historians, Mark then went on to become the first missionary to Egypt, specifically the Alexandria area, where he shared the good news of Jesus Christ and founded churches. It was told by Eusebius, another famous early church historian, that Mark's Christian converts were so great in number and their lives were so extraordinary in the way they shared and um, everything that they did that others went down to study their conduct, their gathering, their meals, just their way of life. But Mark was martyred on April 25th, AD 68, during an Easter ceremony service. He consistently taught every week in his church, and so they knew that he would be there that Sunday. It is believed that our men captured him and then killed him the next day. They tried to burn his body to get rid of it, but pieces of his body were rescued by followers and taken to a tomb which became a famous sanctuary for Christ followers for decades. Then in AD 828, his remains were stolen from Alexandria, Egypt by two Venetian merchants and taken to Venice, Italy, where they were laid to rest in the Patriarchal Cathedral Basilica of St. Mark in Venice, Italy. If you're like me and like timelines, because you know I'm a visual person, here's a quick snapshot of Mark's works as a missionary and attendant, interpreter, author, and assistant. About 10 years after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, we hear about Mark working with Barnabas and Paul before splitting and going on the missionary journey with just Barnabas to Cyprus. Between AD 50 and 60, Mark then goes on to work with Peter in Rome, where he writes the Gospel of Mark. Paul then summons Mark to serve as his delegate around AD 60, 62, where Mark is deemed useful in ministry, but then returns to Peter shortly afterwards. After Peter is martyred in Rome, Mark then becomes the missionary in Alexandria, Egypt, and is martyred around AD 68. So on my honeymoon, I actually had the awesome experience of getting to go to San Marco Basilica and uh, got to go inside. A little tip, it's uh, you can beat all the lines if you go to their actual church service, so keep that in mind if you want to go. 
Um, but here are some pictures of the basilica. And if you notice, at the very front entrance, there is an emblem of St. Mark. And you'll find that in, in church history or art uh, in, in churches all over the world. When you see the emblem of a winged lion armed with a sword and a book under his arm with an inscription that says, Peace to you, O Mark, my evangelist, that is the representation artistically for Mark. So when was it written? Like I mentioned, uh, Mark was written in the mid to late AD 50s. Most scholars favor this viewpoint since the Gospel of Luke heavily depended on Mark's Gospel for much of its material, thus making it plausible that Mark was written before Luke. Although some scholars argue that it was written in the mid to late AD 60s after Peter's death. Mark wrote his Gospel in Rome during a time when Israel was occupied by Roman forces. Nero was the Roman emperor at that time, and the Israelites were waiting for and expecting a Messiah to rescue them from the Romans and establish his earthly kingdom. So when Jesus arrives and claims to be that Messiah from the Old Testament prophecies, much opposition and contention occurs. We will get to unpack that over the summer. Also important to note about the time when the Gospel of Mark was written is that Jerusalem is about 10 years away from being besieged by the Romans under the leadership of Vespasian and his son Titus around AD 70 when the Jewish temple will be destroyed, which is something that Jesus, Jesus in the Gospel of Mark predicts. So to whom was it written? It was written for the Gentile audience or the non-Jews within the Roman region. These are people unfamiliar with Jewish customs, so Mark sometimes spends time in his gospel explaining those Jewish customs for anyone who reads it. As we've already established, Mark is a gospel, which is a genre of its own within the canon, but it is written as a very fast-paced historical narrative. It's also a biography in non-chronological order, portraying who Jesus Christ is. We find in Mark a number of subgenres of writing within, which are found within all of the New Testament's Gospels, such as the miracles, parables, testimonies, proverbs, and stories of conflict. Mark's Gospel was written to narrate the identity of Jesus as the messianic king, fulfilling Old Testament prophecy, to reveal Jesus as God's son, to share the teachings and ministry of Jesus and to present and defend the universal call to discipleship back then and today. Some major themes that you'll find this summer as you study Mark are um, Jesus seeking to correct messianic expectations and misunderstandings. Jesus is man, but also the son of God. Jesus is the Son of Man with all power and authority and dominion of the spiritual and natural world. And Jesus, as the Son of Man, must suffer, which is a phrase you'll hear a lot this summer, is the suffering servant. Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus calls his followers to imitate him in humble service, self-denial, and suffering. And Jesus teaches on the kingdom of God and implies that God continues to call a people to himself. Additional themes that you'll find across Mark's account of Jesus this summer include the messianic secret, the Old Testament prophecy fulfillment, legalism, compassion, servanthood, the kingdom of God, and discipleship. There are certainly more themes that will come up as we read Mark, but these are some of the big ones.
As we study Mark, you're going to find that there are several people groups that Jesus encounters and many that create a lot of a lot of issues for Jesus and his disciples. So some of those major Jewish groups are listed here. You've got five of them. You have the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, according to Google, you pronounce it the, the Essenes, uh, the Zealots, and the Herodians. The four of the, of the groups will be in Mark. Um, the, the Essenes is not listed, but when you study early church history, all of the early church historians include it as the fifth one. So the Pharisees were a lay Jewish party that exercised strict piety according to Mosaic and oral law. They most strongly opposed Jesus on issues related to their traditions, which they considered to be as binding as the Old Testament law themselves. Jesus critiqued the Pharisees on their lack of mercy in favor of strict tradition observation. The Sadducees were a Jewish party that were part of the aristocracy or the elite of the Jewish groups and connected to the temple priesthood. This religious political group accepted only the law and had no oral tradition. They also believed the soul dies along with the body. But Jesus declared that they understood neither the scriptures nor the power of God. The Essenes were a Jewish party characterized by strict asceticism, practice of severe self-discipline and avoidance of all forms of indulgence or pleasure. Although not mentioned in the Bible, this philosophical school is mentioned by early church historians, as I mentioned, and this group is ascribed as having every happening being attributed to God, and they believed in the immortality of the soul. The Zealots were a militant group. They were anti-Roman Jewish political and, and religious people that got together to fight the oppression. They were motivated not by religious or political ideology, but by survival. They hated the Romans who had driven the Jewish people into poverty, especially through corrupt taxation practices, which we'll get into a little more next week. And one of Jesus's disciples is known as a zealot. And lastly, the Herodians. They were a Jewish political party who sympathized with the rulers in the Herodian dynasty, which you would know that as you know, King Herod and his line. There was some overlap with the Sadducees in their beliefs and practices, and they were pro-Roman aristocrats. They opposed Jesus so much that they were willing to partner with the anti-Roman followers and, and Pharisees and the other groups in order to kill Jesus. So more detail about each of these groups can be found in your glossary, which should have been included in your PDF. And if you, don't, if you didn't get the PDF in your email, uh, it's all on the website on the Mark resource page. So now we're going to talk about um, homework and getting ready for next week and kind of get you into the groove of what's going to be happening each week. So this summer, expect studying the Gospel of Mark to stir our hearts the Dayton Women in the Word team has been praying for you for over a year. Each one of you in this room, or those that are listening from home, each of your kids in this program, you have all been prayed over for. God has been providing for you for this study for months. He has pursued you by inviting you to join the study each Wednesday morning. And God has brought us here specifically because we need to hear the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. We need him. 
I believe God is going to do a great work of redemption and sanctification this summer. Jesus calls us to repent and believe in the gospel. Mark 1.15 talks about that. So bring your brokenness, your unbelief, and your doubt before God this summer. Allow God to heal you, help you believe, and turn your doubt into trust. We all need the message of Mark. God has great things in store for you this summer. If you haven't already, go ahead and pull out your syllabus sheet so you can follow along. Over the course of this next week, we invite you to pray before, during, and after you study Mark. This week, we'll be going over chapters 1 and 2 in Mark, but we need the Holy Spirit to help us understand God's Word. I love the author, Jen Wilkin. I don't know if you're familiar with her, uh, but she has a great quote about prayer. She says, pray from a sincere desire, not from a sense of obligation to do things the right way. If you lack the desire to pray, confess to the Lord and ask him to increase that desire within you as you study. This week, in addition to praying, we want you to read or listen to Mark chapters 1 and 2 several times. You can use your printout of your scripture, you could use your favorite study Bible, or you can listen to it. A couple ways you could listen to it is the YouVersion app. Um, it looks like a Bible. Some people call it the Bible app. Uh, they have different translations that you can listen to and different people who, who read it. Uh, Caitlin, who teaches on Monday night, said that her favorite is the British reader who reads the NIV version, so that might work for you. My favorite version to listen to is actually the Bible.is app. It's uh, put on in a theatrical way. So as you're listening to the scripture, you can hear the background. Of, like if you're in the market scene, you can hear the camels bleeding and the people talking. If there's an argument in the church temple, you can hear people yelling in the background. So it helps me keep my, my mind focused as I listen to it. And I timed it. It is nine minutes, so... Um, you will be able to listen to it as you wash your dishes or as you're out for a walk or um, you know, you're folding laundry. You'll be able to get those, those repetitive readings in really quickly if you just have that going on in the background. Uh, feel free to uh, print yours if you haven't already. The, the best way is double-spaced, single-sided. I actually did quadruple space just because I need, I know I need extra space to write with all that I, that I learn and pick up. So um, whatever works for you works for us. Let's see. Um, you're going to be using the annotation study tool this week. If you haven't already tried this before, it's kind of, it feels weird as you mark the scripture. I did it this Christmas. I took my notes with me at Christmas to visit with my in-laws, and my father-in-law saw me writing, and he looked at me, he says, um, are you editing the Bible? <laughs> Isn't it already good enough, or are you just adding more to it? <laughs> I had to laugh, and I had to take a step back, because I've been doing this for a couple of summers, and it feels so comfortable to just mark it up with all of my questions or things that I, that I want to study further. But I guess for someone who's never seen it done before, I thought it was pretty bizarre to mark up scripture. So um, don't be afraid to use your pen as you get going. Uh, let's see, what else? 
We have um, your discussion questions for next week. Those have already been given to you. If you want to go ahead and do all the discussion questions um, for the whole summer this week, because you're just so excited, go for it. But we only want you to do the one for next week. Uh, it really helps with your group discussions. Uh, that way there's not that you know dead space of silence, because I know your small group leader doesn't want to have to try and fill those voids. So um, help her out and offer a thing or two that you've learned or, or your questions that you have. Because I know as you're annotating, you're going to be marking down those spots that you just you want to find more information. That's a great opportunity next week to raise those questions with the group, because maybe someone else might have the answer for you. There are some other tools for you that if you want to give it a try, like the um, response questions handout. This is where you can either save it for the end of the study and respond to the whole book of Mark, or you can use it to, for each week or even each chapter. Um, it's a way for you to reflect on how you're responding to that scripture. You can also begin filling out the attributes of God handout, which is where um, you look for verses that highlight who God is and his character. You can also check out the following resources found within the PDF emailed to you or on the Mark resource page online. There's the glossary of terms. There's a handy little chart about the 12 disciples of Jesus. There's the Mark timeline and the list of locations that I mentioned earlier for all the places that are on all the maps. And then you can also try prayer journaling if you haven't done that before. It's really fun to buy a new notebook and record those prayers. So then at the end of summer, you can look back and see all that the Lord has been teaching you and, and you can see the growth of your faith. If you want to try, you can try memorizing scripture. Our kids are going to be focusing, focusing on chapter 10, verse 45. So that's a great place to start. Or you could go with Mark 1.15. Mark 1.15 is one of the more popular verses within Mark because it talks about uh, the, the foundational message of Jesus' ministry. So like I mentioned earlier, if you're returning to us this year, you don't have to wait each week to try each study tool. If you want to just use them all for Mark 1 and 2, go for it. You know, it will only enrich your study. Know that this isn't a checklist, though. Not everyone is going to get to spend as much time with each resource as they want to or try their hand at every study tool. So don't get frustrated with yourself if you can't do it at all this summer. Give yourself some grace. God will meet you right where you are. And one last plug for um, the website. You'll find all the, the resources in there. Um, but they should have been emailed to you. So if you didn't get those those that information, make sure you haven't accidentally unsubscribed to the distribution list earlier this year because you want to make sure you get the information. The Dayton Women in the Word team is going to be sending out a lot of updates for you, especially if you have kids in the kids program. For the annotation tool, you can find more information in the brand new video series that Dayton Women in the Word has just published. They are so excited to be able to share these with you this summer. It's been a labor of love for a very long time. So um, if you go to www.daytonwomeninthewordcom slash videos, you'll be able to find all of the videos there. You can watch them all or you can just focus on the one that covers annotation for this week. They're also on YouTube, so if you subscribe to YouTube channels, Dayton Women in the Word is up there. 
As you annotate, uh, like I mentioned, uh, look for those questions, things that you're not familiar with. Look for attributes of God, promises of God. Mark any words that you are wanting to do a deeper dive in. Like if you want to look at the, the Greek or Hebrew origin, mark that. And um, also mark any time that you feel like there's an application for yourself. Um, let's see. Next, the Spotify playlist. If you don't have a login for Spotify, that's okay. You can still listen to it. But Dayton Women in the Word has prepared a playlist for you that has over 50 songs that showcase themes from the Gospel of Mark. So whether you're driving the car, again, washing dishes, because we do that every day, um, or going for a walk, or just having your kids play in the background, you can have this playing, and it will, it will help you keep your mind oriented to the themes that we're going to be discussing this summer with Mark. I want to give a huge shout out to all of the volunteers, all the team members that it took to put this kids' program in place for this morning on Wednesdays. It was it was a godsend. You know, you've seen the emails where there were over 100 kids on the wait list to get in, and the Lord provided down to the T exactly the number of volunteers we needed to be able to make room so that everybody could get off the wait list. They have prepared to speak truth to each of your children, no matter their, their age. They are covering infants to 12 years. I know in the infant room, they are reading scripture over and praying over all of the babies. They're letting the babies touch the Bible. Like every class is, is intentional with everything that they've had planned for your children. But did you know that on the website, on the resource page, that all the lessons are there for you to find? So that way, throughout the week, you can have a conversation with your kids and you can follow up on those, those pieces of information that they've learned or new terms that they've learned about who Jesus is. So the theme this summer for them is are the different names of Jesus and who he is. And, um, and if you're following along at home, that's a great way that you can put those, those activities into practice with your kids. And that way your kids can learn that memory verse too. We have um, a wonderful family here that has put together uh, the, the memory verse, chapter 10, verse 45, into a very catchy tune. So um, you can teach it to your kids, and maybe that could be your bedtime song with your children. So that concludes all of the homework that we need to, to discuss for getting you guys prepared for next week. And um, before I end, I'm going to go ahead and close this in prayer. So if you don't mind bowing your head with me. Heavenly Father, we praise you for the gift of your word. We are humbled by your grace and the mercy that you have shown each of us by giving us your word that we might know you more intimately. We confess our need for your help to understand what the gospel of Mark has to say about who your son is. Help our eyes and ears to be open to what your Holy Spirit reveals to our hearts. Please guide our study Help us guard the time we have set aside for study from distractions and make your word come alive for us so we know you better and see our own need of you more clearly. Thank you for pursuing us this summer through the Gospel of Mark. We are eager and excited to learn from your word and to grow our faith in you. Thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ who gave his life that we, we may be reconciled to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, ladies. See you next week.